We live in interesting times. There's just no doubt about it. I wouldn't have to convince anybody of that. What we have to keep in mind is that God's word was relevant back with the early church. It's been relevant up through the years, and boy, in the last 10 years or so, there's been so many changes, it's ridiculous. Our parents would have never imagined a world like we live in. The thing is, we've got a job to do. We have a world to share Christ with. But not just that, but then to disciple them. We don't know how that's going to change. It's already changed some, but hopefully not permanently in the way that it is right now. But there's going to be changes. And uh, what we need to do is praying that we, as a church, other churches that take a stand on the word, that will have wisdom in our our individual situation that we will respond right to what's going on. No matter what your thoughts are about what's going on, we need to respond in a right way that will bring glory to God. There are, I, I'm not as old as some of you here, but I've been around for a little while. And I have seen changes from back when, when my dad being a pastor, when I was a small child, being around good, solid, fundamental churches and what was going on in the world at that time, and how much times changed. I mean, like, without getting into this too much, back years and years ago, back in the dark ages, you know, here, it used to be that uh, those that took a stand in the word were called fundamental evangelical. Well, then there came the new evangelicalism. Now today, many times evangelical is one camp, fundamental is another camp, and all sorts of things. And there's been changes down through of other things being added in there. And it's not, churches have just changed. What we want to be careful is that we always go back to the word. We need to be careful that even the good things that we do are done God's way. Uh, you can do some of the things that fundamental churches have done down through the years and find out that maybe you're doing it your way, but not necessarily God's way. So we want to be careful of that. This message this morning is going to be somewhat in that direction. It's, we titled it, Doing God's Work, God's Way. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Our dear and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for this church that takes a stand in your word. We just pray that it might continue to take a stand in your word till the day of your coming. We know, Lord, as things seem to get worse and worse, that that's what you say that it's supposed to do, that it's going to be that way. We know that we are in the last days. 
We don't know. We know that your return is imminent. And we look forward to that. We know there's nothing that has to take place before that time. But, oh, Lord, we wonder how it can get much worse before we're taken to be with you. But we don't know what the future holds, and we thank you that we worship the God who does know what the future holds. And may we rest upon you and look to you for wisdom in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we think of this idea of doing God's work God's way, uh, there has been a thing that's been going on all my life, and it seems to take different forms as we go along, and that is the idea of being like the world to reach the world. Now some of these, a couple of these statements are not going to be something that I agree with, but I want you to think about. There have been ones in the past. Well, I guess the, the thought of that, of being, being like the world to reach the world, because we should have a burden for souls. If you don't have a burden for souls, you need to get in the Word and get right with the Lord and have a burden for souls. Your family, your friends, your neighbors, the ones in the mission field that we send missionaries to see, we need to have a burden for them. But in this being like the world to reach the world, many times we've found groups that say evangelism at any cost. We must evangelize the world. Now that sounds good when you look at it a certain way. Well, of course we want people to get saved. But the idea here, and I'm going to get a little ahead of myself here because I want to make sure you understand where I'm going with this, and that is some say that that's the most important thing for us as believers is getting people saved. I want you to think about that. I don't think that is the most important thing. Oh, boy, now you want to throw me out of here. Okay, <laughs> think about this for a minute. I think the most important thing for us as believers is to glorify God. Winning souls for Christ, sharing the gospel, being a witness, that comes under glorifying God. But if we take and we move that above glorifying God, make that the ultimate, then we find ourselves doing things to try to reach souls for Christ that are contrary to God's word. And that's been a problem all my life of people trying to do that. And we are going to change some things as time goes here because of what we're going through. Things are going to change in our country even more than they have already. When these things begin to change and we search out new ways of evangelism or, or reaching people in some way, there's going to be changes so we need to make sure that we're going according to biblical principles when we do that. Thinking of this evangelism at any cost, putting that evangelism above the idea of glorifying God. Again, we don't, we don't ever take the evangelism out of there. But glorifying God must be what we do. We must do all to the glory of God, even evangelism. There were, I remember years ago, people saying, well, hey, I need to, try, I want to try to reach this person down the road. Yeah, they're drunkard. Well, I'll go and have a beer with them. 
And then they'll sit down and talk to me, and I can become a friend and then lead them to Christ. Mm, I had some problems with that. Oh, and another one that this has been more recent. Uh, we must reach the world for Christ. Let's, what if we took some of their music, their sensual music, and put some Christian words with it? What if we were to use that to reach people for Christ? Some people do that. Oh, and then that's, and some would say, well, if we can join with the liberal and other various groups in evangelism just to reach more people for Christ. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I have some problems with some of those ideas. The idea we're taking the holy and we're trying to mix it with the unholy to do God's work. That's not good. Well, you think about that. I started out with somebody going having a drink with somebody so they could get to be their friend and lead them to Christ. You know, do we want to spend depend on the spirits? Or do we want to depend upon the Holy Spirit? We need to depend upon Him. We think of that about the music of the world, that sensual music of the world. Do we want to depend upon the sensual? Or do we want to depend upon the spiritual? We need to use hymns that have music that is God-honoring with scripture in them. You know, God has promised his word will not return unto him void. The ones that want to join with the liberal or whoever else out there that doesn't take a stand on the word. It wants to join with them in order to have a bigger audience. Do we want to sacrifice the truth? Or do we want to separate from the unholy? God's strategy has always been to use the purity of his people to reach the perishing. They're going to see your lives. They're going to see how you walk with the Lord. They're going to see that there's something different from in your life. And when they get to a place where things are really falling apart in their lives and they've seen you go through similar circumstances and you were strong and dependent upon the Lord, they're going to say, what do you have that I don't have? And you can share Christ with them. We could take and make a big oval here and write in that service for the Lord. And then have some spokes coming out here, you know, with uh, some ideas. Okay, some people say in service for the Lord, it's important that you have zeal. It's coming out that one spoke there. You need to have enthusiasm to passion as you seek to Tell others about Christ. That's good. Another smoke that would come off out of there would be sincerity. 
As you're talking to them about Christ, you should be free from hypocrisy. As they're going to see right through you and see what you are. You need to be honest and genuine. So we got zeal, we got sincerity, and then we got two more spokes coming out of that wheel. One of them is pure biblical motives. Remember we talked about the importance of having glorifying God on the topmost part. So if you have pure biblical motives, you're going to want God to be glorified. You're going to have a burden for the lost. They'll see your love for them and that you want them to have what you have. They're going to see a life that's pure and living for God. And they're going to say, what do you have that I don't have? Oh, I'd be glad to show you, my friend. And of course, as we think of those pure biblical motives, as we serve the Lord, we're being obedient to his word. Oh, then there's another spoke that comes off of there. And that is pure biblical methods. So zeal, sincerity, pure biblical motives, and pure biblical methods. And I believe under that comes the idea of not mixing the holy with the unholy to try to do God's work. We're going to briefly cover quite a few different things here that, because I think that they're involved in this and important. The whole matter of holiness, uh, of separation from sin, boils down to the fact that the truth and error, that truth and error cannot mix. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 6. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When we think of truth and error, they are poles apart. There's no middle ground between them, only a battleground. Back in my youth, there was a lot of talk about peaceful coexistence. Now, maybe you've never even heard those that today. I know some of you are a little bit younger and that doesn't mean anything. But peaceful coexistence. But there is no peaceful coexistence. When we're talking about truth and error. Truth and error are eternal enemies. When you take truth... And as you're in the word and you know what truth is, if you take that truth and say, well, we should be able to get along with so-and-so. We're talking about religious things now. We should be able to get along with so-and-so. So, you know, we might maybe not take a stand on this so we can get along with them and can minister with them. No. You realize it doesn't hurt them if we join with them. It hurts us. 
Because we have to sacrifice some of the truth. And what was our truth now becomes error. So we're no longer truth. Once we start mixing with error, there's no middle ground. The modern movements of religion today are false religions. The Christ of the liberal is not the Christ of the Bible. The apostate is a false prophet. Now, as we're thinking of these things, you know, we have to kind of get to the place where we stop and think, what do we stand for? Well, just briefly, we'll, we'll hit a couple things here that I'm sure that you folks stand for, but we'll, we'll just mention them. And what those are, actually, we could say the five historical fundamentals of the faith. Some will say there's six, but what it is, sometimes they split certain ones up in just the way they say it, usually talking about exactly the same things. I happen to have a list of five here. We talk about, first of all, the inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. We cannot have the truth. We cannot mix with a group. You say, oh, we don't mix with anybody today in this day and age. Well, what's the future going to hold here? Be surprised what we may end up doing in the future. We just need to be careful how far and what, who we mix with and how we do things. Because we're going to have to come up with new methods in a lot of things. But they have to fit into uh, these parameters if we're going to bring glory to God. The inspiration, the inerrancy of scripture. That God breathed without error. You cannot work with someone even in something like evangelism, if they don't hold to that. Secondly, what about the deity of Christ? That's not something we can sacrifice. It's not something we can say, well, you know, uh, this group doesn't believe in that, but we can get together with them. No, you can't do that. And also, you think about it, many times you'll find people and they might say, well, oh, the people over there, that church up there, they're able to minister better than we are. Let's, uh, they have a radio ministry, or, and I mean a TV ministry, excuse me. <clears throat> Let's just take and, uh, why don't we support them? And hopefully you wouldn't just do that on your own. You'd come to your pastor and say, could I give through the local church? And then that way they might give you some ideas. Well, this is why we don't support that, because of their lack of a stand. If you do it your own, sometimes you find yourself supporting something that really isn't, you're not, you might have not searched it out enough, and you might be supporting the enemy. The deity of Christ, John 20, 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. They understood that Jesus is the very God, He's the God man. Unless a 
ministry that you're going to work with, or let's say if you moved from here, if you had a friend that had just gotten saved and they're going to another, they're moving to a different area or starting at a church, and they're asking you for advice, you need to advise them to get into a church that takes a stand in the work. The Great Commission is not just about getting people saved, it's about discipling them, getting them into a good, solid church. And no matter what your method of ministry is going to be in the future, as they get saved, they've got to get into a solid church. The deity of Christ is very important, not only in their uh, church bylaw or covenant, whatever they're, they have to believe it, not just have it written there from many years ago. Thirdly was the virgin birth of Christ. Very important Isaiah 7:14 Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel God with us Of course it talks about that in Matthew 1:21 and 20 through 23 also the virgin birth of Christ Back years ago, there was battle over things like that in some of the colleges and seminaries and things like that. And it caused separation because of God's holiness. But now the enemy has kind of snuck in and doing the same types of thing, only a little sneakier. We need to be alert. And as things change, which they are changing, they've already changed, and they're going to change more. As they're changing, we've got to be aware of that and still go back to the Word of God. Fourth was the substitutionally atoning work of Christ on the cross. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. As I said, the substitutionally atoning work of Christ on the cross. He is our substitute. He took our place. If you don't have a ministry that takes a stand on that, well, let me there's, let, stop and think about it a minute. There are so many churches today that say they're Christian, but you can take and go down through these five things, and they don't hold to them all. I tell you, they are not Christian, no matter what they say, if they don't take a stand on these things. And then number five, the physical resurrection and the personal bodily return of Christ to the earth. Looking over in 1 Thessalonians. You know, as we think about this, Looking in your Bible to different passages of Scripture, we don't have people turn as much as we used to years ago. But if you say, oh, I have trouble finding some of the books in the Bible, what you need to do is on your personal devotions at home or your family devotions, you need to take, and okay, for this week we're going to learn Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Next week come up, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. You know, and begin and learn that so you can get in the Word and you can find what the pastor's preaching about. 
You know, our pastor, and I'm sure your pastor is the same way. He wants you to get into the word. He wants you to check up and make sure he's preaching the truth. Pastors that preach the word of God aren't afraid of that. But if you're some new, somebody you just led to the Lord, they live in a different city and you're directing them to a church, you need to direct them to a church that takes those stands on the word of God. Now there's other things that we might have too to think about, but these are some basic things. If a church does not hold to this position, they're not ones that we should embrace, they should be exposed, they should be warred against, they should be separated from. And they're certainly not Christian, no matter what they say. Okay, so we have the five historical fundamentals of the faith. That was just a brief look at them. That's a few messages in themselves to get into that. Secondly, we have the forbidden union. Well, when we start getting into some of these other things, we find people get upset and they say, oh, just a minute. Where's your love? Well, we want to be biblical. And uh, there's some things that are happening in churches today that, is not, that are not biblical. We find that, uh, there's, uh, you think, don't get scared. I'm, there's seven things here, and I'm going to go through them quickly. So you don't, don't, don't panic and run out the door or anything. Just hold on. The first one on this forbidden union is separate from those not sound in the faith. 2 Timothy 3.5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Separate from them, don't join with them. Don't someday, if your work takes you to another, another area of the country and you end up having to leave, we really want to encourage them to come this way, not don't want you to leave. But if you did have to, you want to find a church that takes a stand in the word. Number two is don't assist the cause of the ungodly. Second Chronicles 19.2 says, And Jehu the son of Hanani, the seer went out to meet him and said to Jehoshaphat, Shouldst thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Time, sometimes when you send money to some of these TV program ministers, you need to be careful. You may be helping the cause of the ungodly. Because when you hear them preach, what I found out with some of these big churches, not all of them, there's some really good ones, but sometimes what I find out that they do, they're careful what they do say and what they don't say. But when you begin to check and see what they really believe, you find out, whoa, am I supporting this? So be careful about that. If you feel you have to support some TV ministry, come to your pastor and he and the deacons can sit there and, you know, think about it. How, where does this church stand? And then give to your local church. 
the Lord has put you in this place and you have a local church that stands on the word and you want to get guidance from them. So as they look at things, they might know something about ministries that you wouldn't know about. And they could direct it so your money is used for God's glory, not used for helping a ministry that might seem to do what's right. Sometimes, here's the thing I've noticed with large ministries. Oh, it's fantastic some of the things they can do. It is great. But, I have been at ones and find out that there's certain things the pastor won't take a stand on. Why? Well, you can't build a big church if you take a stand on certain things. Yeah, but you can't build, uh, you can't build a church that brings glory to God unless you do take a stand on things. So be careful what you support and don't hesitate to ask your pastor and deacons about this. They might have a better opportunity to search out some of these things. And the best way is to give through your local church. If your local church is not willing to back a ministry like that TV ministry, why would you want to back something that is contrary to what your church stands for? Thirdly, don't give honor to one who denies the faith. Let's look over in Galatians chapter 1. I do have, hopefully you don't have trouble with this Bible. No, the books aren't in a different place or anything like that. What it is, it's a newer one. My wife got me because the bigger print's easier for me to see when I'm up here preaching. Uh, but so I think I've got all the pages unstuck, but it's not like using my old one that's falling apart. Okay, so Galatians 1, looking at verses 6 through 9. Yet one more page back here. Okay. Mar I marvel that ye so are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. Number four is examine a person's theological position and find it acceptable before cooperating with him in spiritual efforts. So not only do you not want to go to a church like this, like that doesn't take a stand on the word, you don't want to fellowship with them, Oh, that seems terrible, doesn't it? No. You don't want to fellowship with them. You don't want to send somebody else to them. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. 
You have to understand that in these last days, I believe we are living in the last days, there's going to be more and more of that. So as things change here and we look out different methods and ways, we want to make sure they're biblical methods, that they fit according to God's word. Change isn't bad as long as it's not changing from God's word. So be true to God's word and adjust to some of this mess that's going on around us. But be true to God's word. Number five, do not join forces with unbelievers in the Lord's work. I have known of situations where there have been ones that would... Uh, want to join with people of, well, if we were to take certain churches, and I'm not here to try to mention all those churches, but we would take certain churches and we'd say, wait, they don't preach the word. They don't preach the same thing that we do. They don't believe the Bible like we do. And some of those would say, well, let's get together with them so we can reach more people for Christ. Again, put glorifying God above that. That's the important thing. Make sure you still have a burden for souls. Or there's something to matter there too. Don't let up in the burden for souls. But make sure that you first of all glorify God. And even winning souls must glorify God. And sometimes that activity you're putting in it. It could be in a situation where you wouldn't be glorifying God. To go with that thought there, not joining forces with unbelievers in the Lord's work, 2 Corinthians 6.14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? You know, as I think about that, when we think of a situation like that, we have a tendency to say, let's pray about it. Um... Should, could be that maybe you're a single person and you're wanting to date somebody who's not a Christian. Well, we're praying about it. What are you praying for? You should be going the opposite direction because of God's word says it's wrong. There shouldn't be any praying about it. If you want to pray for that person, pray from a distance. Don't date them. Don't marry them. They don't know the Lord. You have a business partnership or a possibility of a business partnership. You're a believer. You don't join with an unbeliever. You have different goals in life. You don't stop and say, well, I'm praying about it. What are you praying for? Get rid of it. Don't do it. It's clear in God's word. I mean, you can pray, Lord, help me as I obey your word. That's the praying you should do. Not should I or shouldn't I. That's foolishness. But that's what we find ourselves doing. And we find that sometimes when it's other churches that claim to be Christian. Or that we think we can get a broader audience if we join with them. Well, we're praying about it. What are you praying for? God's word commands against it. Don't do it.
Number six in that, it says, don't emphasize unity at the expense of doctrinal purity. Oh, down through the years, so many times I've heard people cry, unity, unity, we got to be unified. The only way to be rightly unified is if you and I, if we're in the word, we're obeying God's word, we're doing what God wants us to, and he will bring the unity. If you take and you try to reach that unity on your own, well, I have to sacrifice this. I can't say something about this. No, you draw close to God. He will give the unity. So don't emphasize unity at the expense of doctrinal purity. Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And seventh and last in this section here, do not encourage or cooperate with persons of unsound doctrine. You're not to even encourage them. Or cooperate with them. 2 John 10 and 11. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed, for he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. I remember how much it bothered me. I place I used to live going down to the local Christian bookstore and the guy that ran it actually had been an ordained minister one day there was a group of people in there into the place and he was saying oh Lord bless you folks Lord bless you and I found out later that it was a liberal church that didn't even preach the gospel it didn't fit. How can the Lord bless them when they're going in the wrong direction? They're leading people astray. So we looked at the five historical fundamentals of the faith. We look at the forbidden union. And then we look at the faithful remnant. God always has a testimony for his truth. Even in the great tribulation, God will send his two witnesses to herald his truth. It talks about that in Revelations 11, 3 through 12. The faithful remnant stands for the truth and against apostasy. God has reserved to himself 7,000 men who would not bow the knee to the image of Baal. That's from 1 Kings 19:18. Romans 11.4 talks about it also. <clears throat> Today there are thousands of fundamental separatist churches. They are standing true to the Bible and to Christ. They're winning souls. That's important. I'm not, I did not in any way want to take away from that today. It's just glorifying God has to be the utmost. Winning souls, planting churches, edifying the saints. These churches are God's remnant today. Looking over for a moment into Isaiah chapter 1. 
Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Wow, that verse makes me stop and think. Look at what our nation's become today. Hmm. Maybe a lot of these churches that make it seem like we have a huge remnant, maybe we better stop and consider what they believe. Is it in accordance to God's word or isn't it? It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Are they in accordance to God's word? That's what matters. God has placed the remnant in the world. It's often relatively small compared to the apostasy that's around us. It keeps society from being like Sodom and Gomorrah with their abominable immorality. The mood of society that provides fertile ground for such gross immorality is described in Ezekiel chapter 16. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, chapter 16. Well, I've been in Ezekiel for a little bit, but it takes a little bit to get some of these pages turned back. Ezekiel chapter 16, looking at verse 49 and 50. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Rather did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away as I saw good. God puts the faithful remnant in this world to raise up a people for his name. Acts 15, 14, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. He plants local remnant churches, not the apostate churches, not these ones that have fallen away from the truth. They're not of God. No True believer has a right to belong to an apostate church. He should be active in a fundamental church that takes a stand on the word of God. That's where you direct those people you lead to the Lord. That kind of a church. He dare not sit under a false prophet. Proverbs 19.27 says, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. We must not be partaker of the apostate's evil deeds as we looked at in 1 John 10 and 11. Babes in Christ must be directed to a fundamental church where they will get the milk of the word and later the meat of the word. And of course it talks about that in various passages of scripture. 1 Corinthians 3, 2, Hebrews 5, 13, 1 Peter 2, 2.
What about it? As we begin on some new things. And there's going to be a lot of new things. There's things that are happening today that we had no clue 10 years ago would be happening. We're going to have to make some changes, but may it never be a change from God's word. You're going to have to adjust to some very uncomfortable positions sometimes. It's hard for some, especially some of us older folks, you know, it's hard to adjust. And we're going to have to adjust, but never must we go away from what the word of God says. Whether it's where we send our friends and when they get saved, where we go if we go to another city, who we fellowship with, who 